The Sports Soccer Devon Wave Recast. Any given Sunday, anything can happen. What we think so far. Lakers, were they oversold? Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade Briefcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Briefcast 18 of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Briefcast. And want to remind you, if this is your first time checking us out, please go back and listen to full-fledged episodes. I think we're back in episode 80, where you can hear the special teams unit and all of the bells and whistles that we like to employ for full-fledged episodes. It's a lot of fun, and my special teams unit is in the building. Usually, uh, for those, that is uh, former NFL linebacker Eddie Robinson or my brother Biscuit Jordan Wade or my co-host for uh, KTSU Sports Talk here in Houston, Kevin Allen, a.k.a. The Silver Fox. I want to remind you guys, Saturday mornings here in the city of Houston, it's KTSU Sports Talk with yours truly, the legend Ralph Cooper, and of course, The Silver Fox. at 8.30 a.m. to 10 a.m. on KTSU 90.9, your community station on the FM dial if you are into terrestrial radio, but you can also go and tune in or to KTSUradio.com where you can also find da-da, the podcast. So a lot of stuff I want to get into this episode, including the NCAA tournament. Also, I'm going to talk about Magic Johnson resigning, and I have a Lamont Award, and I'm going to talk about a sport that you should be sending your kids into as we speak, a sport in which you don't have to produce to get paid. <laughs> You'll hear what I'm talking about. It's really kind of sad. And if you can sympathize for a multi, 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 multi millionaire. So also I want to remind you guys, I'll have some music at the halfway point and at the end of the show. And if you are a fledgling a DJ, musician, doesn't matter the genre, doesn't matter what type of music we feature so far. I know we've done jazz. We have gospel coming up. Not this episode, but we have some gospel coming up. Hip hop, of course. We have DJs doing their mixing. If it's radio friendly, I need radio edits only. Send it to me. And we will play an excerpt at the halfway point. And then at the end of the show, we'll play the entire track. Coming up this episode, we'll hear from Q-Boy, Southside Titan. Uh, we'll hear Southside Titan from Q-Boy. And uh, I'll give you a little, uh, few of my thoughts on that. Um, right now, I want to get into a segment that we call Brand New. Brand Brand new is when I talk about some things that are not necessarily sports related, just uh, an opportunity to get to know me so you can know who I am as an individual so you can tune in and figure out, like, okay, this is why I tune into this guy. So I give me a little background. I could be your guy. I, I like to share, not, not overshare. I know that's a thin line. This time I want to talk about my nephew, Baby Biscuit. That's Caleb, and that's uh, Biscuit's son. He uh, and and both his sons actually, Eli and Caleb were in a a play. I went to their first plays. They had a play over the weekend, and if you're familiar with Houston, down south in Clear Lake, right across the street from NASA, almost virtually right across the street from NASA and the Space uh, Johnson Space Center. Caleb did his thing. And Eli did too, but Eli only had a few lines, and Caleb didn't have any lines. But he was dressed up like uh, he had on some knickers and a, a hat, like he was from the twenties. And he he played the uh, the shoemaker in a remake of the what I guess the shoemaker story. I don't know what it is because I couldn't half understand what was going on. The production value, uh, I, as a former artistic director 
for the script writers 10 by 10 here in the city of Houston and the producer of my own work. I could give uh, the artistic director a few pointers on how to produce a more efficient, effective show. But that's an aside. But yeah, just shout out to Eli and to Caleb. Man, he was he was on point. Just like uh, Caleb, he was distracted at the end. And the lady had to, uh, I guess his, his acting teacher uh, had to sort of redirect him. But he did his thing. He didn't have any speaking roles. He just mimed what the uh, narrator said. So I, I need to find some video of that and I can post that on my social media because I will overshare a little bit on that. But I know most of you guys don't care about that, but it's okay. So let, aside from that, uh, the acting debut of my nephews, which I'm very proud of, a big week in sports, a lot going on, a lot of news broke last night previous to me recording today uh, about Magic Johnson and, of course, the last few hours or nights of uh, of the career, NBA careers of Dirk Nowitzki and Dwayne Wade. And I have to tell you, I saw that Dwayne Wade commercial, and they, and they prefaced it, you know, even on social media, like, hey, this is a tearjerker. I'm not crying. You're crying. And so usually when they say it, I'm like, ah, right, whatever, whatever. And what it was was, uh, of course, if you've watched Dwayne Wade through the course of this NBA season, you know he's done a number of jersey exchanges with other players. And that's what they do. They acquire each other's jerseys so they can hang them up in their homes or whatever. And so he's been doing that with a lot of guys from around the NBA. So the premise of the commercial, and if you haven't seen it, I will. I think it's already posted on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group. We'll, we'll redo that so you can see that. But I can tell you this. When you see it, it's a very touching thing because it's about his reach outside of the world of basketball. Not just what he did on the court, but what he did for his mother and a victim of Parkland and, and how he helped certain people get education. I mean, it's, it, I don't want to give away too much, but yeah, it's, it's a little tearjerker. It, it, and it's not manufactured, but like a lot of stuff. What I mean by that is, you know, a lot of stuff is what, you know, we have mentioned Gabrielle Union on the show and how extra she is. And I, I, I'm not a big fan of the Gatorade commercials with her and Dwayne Wade. Not like Dwayne Wade. I, I don't, I mean, no doubt, a, 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 a once-in-a-generation type player, tremendous uh, athlete, really a lot of toughness, a lot of grace. And he handled LeBron. We'll talk about LeBron a little bit later on. But he handled LeBron better than anybody else. And and really, LeBron only listened to him, I think. I don't, I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm speculating. But he handled that situation right. And I say that to say, hey, we're going to miss that guy in the NBA. Same with Dirk. Dirk really changed the game in a lot of ways. You know, the only guy I can think of that was kind of like him a little bit before, a couple guys, maybe a little bit of Detlef Shrimp. And Sam Perkins is another guy who is a bigger guy that would go out on the perimeter. And maybe there are others, but those are the guys that I think of that sort of the four, were the uh, forerunners to what Dirk did. But Dirk revolutionized the game. I don't think Durant would be Durant if it was not for Dirk and and for a big guy his size to go to the outside. And my fondest memory is when they beat LeBron and Miami in the NBA Finals. Man, that was Jason Terry. I mean, it was, it was man, that was a great, great series. And uh, that's, that's my fondest memory of Dirk. And, and like I said, Dwayne, once you, – you, I mean, he was a gutsy guy. You always give him his credit for having heart. But once he got with LeBron – not so much of a, a, a rooter of Dwayne Wade, although people are like, oh, yeah, D-Wade, you know, they play on my name. D-Wade this, D-Wade that. So uh, those guys will be hanging it up. Again, great careers for both of those guys, and 
we will miss them and miss uh, and really you can go back and reflect on their contributions to the game like we do with some of the others you know i'm constantly living in retro world just got a chance to see uh the nfl life when they talk you know the sort of biographies they do on the nfl network watch the earl campbell again just anytime that's on i saw warm moon last week you know and even though i know i was around for, for warren as a working member of the media not so much for Earl I was just I was a kid with Earl but anytime those kinds of things come on I I tend to watch those let's go ahead and get into the national championship game Virginia wins it all and what miracles got them there miracles and questionable calls <laughs> referees got them there and they, I mean obviously they're they are a huge comeback story after losing in the first round last year and like I said, I said maybe I'm reactive and maybe that's why I'm not an athletic director. But Tony Bennett would not have had a job if it were up to me. You, if you're a 16 and you – I mean, if you're number one, you lose to a 16. And the first time it ever, 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 ever happened, no, nah, you got to go. You don't get a second chance with me. But luckily, I'm not the athletic director of Virginia. And, uh, again, Bennett came back. Most of that team came back. They persevered, went through adversity. Got a questionable call in the Purdue game. Had really, I don't. I, the right call was made in the semifinal. The that was a foul in the corner. So yeah, that was the right call. I think in that situation, Bruce Pearl. And I'm going back to the, the national semifinal, Auburn versus Virginia, where I, you know, they sort of went textbook and they were overcoached in that situation. And sometimes you just get in the way. And if you let things progress. Bruce Pearl and the Auburn Tigers would have won that game and played for a national championship. But as it stood, uh, they overcoached themselves, and uh, there was a missed double-dribble call. I won't fault them so much for that, although, again, like I said, I was not familiar with that. I just didn't see it in, in real time as a double-dribble, but the officials had to. That's, that's the gig. That's the job. You have to see that. I don't have to know every obscure rule in the rule book. And this is this is what this whole rant is about. Because I'm really upset with the officiating in overtime. With 106 remaining in overtime, Virginia and I will we can talk about Texas Tech leaving Hunter in the corner to make the big three pointer. And that's when you probably should have overcoached in that situation. But the kid instinctively left to help somebody streaking down the lane. Kid kicks out to Hunter. Hunter hits a wide-open three-pointer. That was the only thing that could have really sent you in overtime. I thought it was a fantastic game from a defensive intensity standpoint, but there also were a lot of missed shots. So, But let me fast forward to 106 remaining in overtime. 75-73 in favor of Virginia. Ball's turned over. Moretti for Texas Tech runs the ball down, headed down. Not only is he hacked, okay, we'll let you make it on the referees missing that call. The ball is knocked out of bounds. Okay, routine play. Routine. Routine. Happens all the time. It happens a half a dozen to a dozen times a game. Usually, 99.999% of the time, if you hit the ball and you knock the ball out, that's it. I mean, if you hit the ball and it, you swipe at it, it goes out, it's out on you. I mean, that's, that's the way it's always been, and that's how it's supposed to go. Not in this case. 
So they go back to look at the replay. And in the NCAA, the call on the floor, unless it's irrefutable, irrefutable uh, evidence, it, the call will stand. Whatever the call made by the official stand. Well, not only did they replay it from several angles, they magnified it 127 times and took seven minutes to over, overturn the call because the kids, Pinky, scraped the basketball. Now, technically, is that the right call? Yes. But why in the world were you scrutinizing such a routine play? I, I mean, and I, I said this was micro-examination. This is not the intent of what replay was set up to do. Okay, this was not a controversial call. Nobody asked for a review in this situation. Nobody said, hey, we need to take a look at this. It was a routine play. The kids swiped the ball out. So if you are going to call that, and if you are going to go by the letter of the law, you should have called a hat. Now you say, well, they lost 85-77, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so this here's what, that was a four-point turnaround. Let's go for a minute. Let's say if he was unimpeded, he goes down and, and, and makes a layup. If the ball's knocked out, let's say the way the ball the way it was going, it was a 50-50 chance uh, that Texas Tech scores to tie the game. So you didn't have that opportunity. Virginia goes back and with again under a minute left now, gets fouled, go to they go to the free throw line, make two. Now they're by four. Now you get into a situation where you have to start. Well, you didn't have to, but they start jacking threes, and there was a sense of desperation. You miss those, don't get the offensive rebound, and now it's it's you fouling until the game is over. And so, cosmetically, the game does not look as close as it was down the stretch, um, because a couple times, two, three times down, uh, Texas Tech had to hurl up a three pointer or a bad shot. And they just they couldn't make it happen. I really thought that Tariq Owens getting injured in the semifinals and him not being 100% for the finals, he fouled out. He wasn't the same player. I thought that had something to do with it. But, again, you know, when all of these things go your way in your Virginia, that has to be fate. And if you had that kind of fate on your side, we'll just let that stand. But I really think that that was an abuse of the, uh, the replay system. To look at it, it was a routine play. That's too much. It's seven minutes. It was not even a controversial call. It wasn't. By the letter of the law, it was right. If you're going to go by the letter of the law, you have to turn around and look at exactly what happened in the situation with the hacking file that would have sent the kid to the free throw line. So, again, you know, congratulations to Virginia. I thought that was a biased ACC call. But, again, I'm just bitter, and I tend to be bitter, and that's kind of just what I do. So with that, hey, want to shift gears. I want to talk about Chris Davis. Now, I don't have – we're not baseball heavy. We, we just aren't, and we've talked about that a couple episodes uh, ago. Auto, big ups to the Astros coming back uh, last night uh, against the Yankees. Uh, they, I think they won the first couple games of this series. Astros, they're trying to get it going. They were three and a half back last night. I think they ended up – I guess uh, they're about three, three games back. But it's so, so early. But, yeah, so far – Rounding a little bit in the shape, uh, and we'll have to see how it goes as the season progresses. But I want to talk about Chris Davis. Chris Davis, Baltimore Orioles, set a record, a modern record. He is hitless in his last 49 at-bats. That goes all the way back to September of last year. So you say, okay, well, you just ship him to the minors. Well, he has tenure. You can't send him down. He's been in the league too long. Can't, can't send him down to the minors. So, well, you cut him. 
Can't cut him. Can't trade him. You know why? Chris Davis a couple years ago signed a $161 million deal. $161 million, right? Okay. Wrap your mind around that. A $161. He's owed $92 million on uh, the contract. Now, I think after some deferred money, it's like $84 million that he, he's owed. And he is unlike the NFL. This is guaranteed money. He is going to get that money unless he is somehow foolishly gracious enough to give up that money. I don't see that happening. I don't think that that's a thing. So uh, we'll have to see how that goes, uh, what they're going to do with him. But the poor fella, I, and you have to feel a little bit sorry for a guy oh for 49. And I, they say hitless. So he probably reached base a couple times uh, on walks. But Hitless in his last 49 at bats owed 84, really $92 million on paper and $84 million in real life. And that's why, boys and girls, for the umpteenth time, I tell you guys, send your kids to Little League Baseball Camp today <laughs> because this is astronomical. And uh, you can, we, I guess he didn't play last night. Maybe he'll play in the next games. He, all eyes will be on him. I don't know what they're going to end up doing with him. They're going to have to do something with him. I, I just don't know what. Maybe trade him and pay a part of his salary. If you can get anybody to pay anything. But, you know, there have been examples of uh, of guys in baseball. I want to say Steve Sachs was a guy that couldn't, that for whatever reason, got the yips, couldn't throw to second base. Chuck Knoblog, a Houston guy, went to Bel Air. I think he had the similar situation. I never really see have seen a guy go this far south. Like I mean, it's record breaking. It's it's unbelievable, and you just wonder what happened. And did you go to the crossroads and make your deal with the devil with Robert Johnson? And now that deal has expired, or did you betray the devil? <laughs> and you and you may have to go to major leagues and get somebody to do voodoo on your bat like they did. And I forget the character's name in major leagues, but that's a. That's a, a, just a side note on baseball. Going to take time out right now. Going to get some uh, information from our sponsor, Cobank Homes, and also some music from Q-Boy. And I had to tell you about this. Q-Boy with Southside Titan sampling that SWV. I like that. And see, y'all don't know. I'm from South Park, Texas. So he's, he's talking about South Park. Well, he's talking about the South Side of Texas. He talked about MLK and Belford. I was that right down the street. I, hey, I grew up on, on the same street as Burger Park. So if you know South Park, you know, and, and two blocks away from the car wash. So if you knew South Park, you know, now, hey, love the streets of South Park. That's where I'm from. I went to Kelso Elementary School. Then I left the hood, went to Persian, then I went to Lamar. Then I was supposed to go to Jones, not a Sterling guy. That's the back of South Park. And, and anybody that goes to Yates, that's not South Park. But I, South Park, it was, it, yeah. So I went to Lamar. And I'm finished at Marion Christian, but I had to take the bus home every day. That's 77, not the MLK. So let's hear uh, from our sponsor and Q-Boy with Southside. And, uh, again, I'll tell you, uh, if you reach out to me, I'll tell you how to get in touch with his music. And if you have music you want to play, want us to play, we'll play a snippet at the halfway point, and we'll play the entire track at the end of the show. This is Briefcast 18 of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, SoundCloud, KTSURadio.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple, and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams. On the south side, we missing our jeans. On the south side, pop trunk with them toys. On the south side, making that noise. On the south side. On the south side, we missing our boys On the south side, pop trunk with them toys On the south side, we making that noise On the south side, the south side From the south side to Galveston Bay Scott and Belford and MLK 11-9-11 King Estate Hillwood, Cloverland, Sugar Valley and Blue Ridge Give me a three for the war, relative of the yard you like that? I like that. Southside. And if you really want a sense of how it was, go back and listen to Scarface, a song called My Block. That really, when I hear that song, it takes me right back to uh, being growing up in South Park. And I tell you, the big thing to do in the summertime for, for the young ladies, and, and this is before you get your cars. And then once you get your cars, it's going up and down MLK. But, but for the young lady, my sister and her friends, used to take their time getting dressed for hours just to walk to the store. And, and because the store, you had to go down MLK. And cars were coming up and down on the cut all the time. So, yeah, South I love man, I love Miss Southport. love Southport. No place like it. Uh, welcome back to podcast. Briefcast 18 of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Want to get into the Magic Johnson thing, and then we also have a Lamont Award. But let, let's get into this whole Magic Johnson debacle. What is Los Angeles Laker debacle? It's not a, a, a debacle. Well, as a GM, it's a debacle uh, for, uh, for Magic Johnson, but not so much as he is a really, really rich man, and that's, that's really not going to change. So he, Magic Johnson resigns last night abruptly, didn't tell Jeannie Buss or LeBron, and, and again, I laid all of this at the foot of LeBron. Now you, they say, well, there you go again, Devin. You're doing it again. You, you're picking on LeBron. You're blaming LeBron for everything. Well, uh, let's talk about this a little bit. I mean, that he resigned – uh, the way he did and when he did, that's all on magic. I don't know what's really going on behind the scenes. He's sort of have been, he's been sort of cryptic with how he's talked about it in, in his impromptu press conference that was not organized or set up in any kind of way. But I do. I blame LeBron for this. Let's break this down a little bit. See, Magic Johnson was given, and he took on the task of bringing Showtime back to Los Angeles. See, he, you know, he couldn't just slowly, incrementally improve the team and, and sort of add wins and pieces over time to make them a winner. He had to do this in a big, big way, in a Showtime way. And really, this is really a reflection of Los Angeles. 
Because, again, you had a lot of young pieces. And we'll talk about what happened to those young pieces when you talk about a D'Angelo Russell or a Julius Randle. You had some pieces there. But, no, they had to make the splash. They had to bring Showtime back. And, see, this wouldn't happen in Milwaukee or Utah or a number of other cities. They had to to splash <laughs> instead of <laughs> instead of having like a graceful dive they essentially belly flopped LeBron and the Lakers belly flopped with this season this was a um, colossal failure bringing in LeBron who by the way really wanted to come west on his own it didn't take much convincing or coaxing by Magic Johnson but when you brought him in you brought in the goat maker yeah, and I don't mean like the greatest of all time maker. I mean scapegoat maker. And that's what LeBron, he does. He has a track record of this. LeBron has created a lot of scapegoats when you look at Kevin Love and, and David Blatt and to some extent Chris Bosh, now Magic Johnson. I mean, he is the goat maker. But the bottom line is that Magic Johnson didn't want all that smoke that was coming his way because the Lakers' plans have failed to this point. And the prospects really are dim as LeBron gets older and it does not it just doesn't feel like free agents want to come and play with him, especially Kevin Durant or or I don't know that they'll ever be able to get Anthony Davis. But this is where the Lakers were before LeBron. First they acquired a lot of young talent. They traded some of that talent and were in the process of really developing the rest of the talent. But along the way, here comes LeBron into the picture. And instantly that young talent appeared to be inferior at the, when you look at the prospect of getting Anthony Davis from the New Orleans Pelicans. Now, if you want to say that LeBron had nothing to do with all that Anthony Davis stuff, that's fine. But his agent did. And you know who his agent is, right? Rich Paul. LeBron's agent is Anthony Davis' agent. And that's his childhood friend. That's his boy. That's his homeboy. And that's the guy that was behind the scenes trying to make this trade happen. As Davis's agent, Rich Paul, made demands of the New Orleans Pelicans to trade Anthony Davis, who was a who it, at the time was a year and a half away from being a free agent. So what did all of this do? Now, if you want to look at the grand scheme of things, I can imagine that some negotiations between the Lakers and Pelicans had probably been broached maybe that maybe a couple phone calls have been taken but for whatever reason paul and davis went public with these trade demands and from that point once uh, the, the trade demands were public all of the leaks from behind the scenes came from presumably everywhere it seemed like everybody had every player on their team but lebron on the trade block and once that happened the result of all of that Anthony Davis, who was a really just a beloved player in this league, he became a villain. And he was also only available on the court when he felt like it. The Pelican season was just ruined, demolished. Their future is in limbo as we speak. Their front office was cleaned out. People lost their jobs. And nothing got done. And he's, he, again, last night he wears a that's all folks shirt. And he still has another year with the Pelicans. So I, I guess the Lakers made uh, shoot their shot, but we, I, I, we, would you make that happen if you're New Orleans now? I would be bitter that they tampered with my franchise and essentially ruined whatever chance I had of re-signing this kid, which maybe you never did. Seemed like you did before he signed with Rich Paul. And at, in, really, in this whole mix, he's giving up 50 or $60 million extra by wanting to sign somewhere else other than New Orleans. And we talked about that a few episodes ago, so we kind of went into that. But for the Lakers, their young nucleus which were all virtually on the trading block, 
they seemingly suffered from the rumors. And who wouldn't if your tri- your team deemed you, you know, expendable? You, they don't value you. Kuzma and all of these guys, Lonzo Ball, uh, maybe even Brandon Ingram, and, and any of uh, any of those guys. I, everybody was expendable, and I, uh, it showed on the court. Now, if you put that trade stuff with the fact that, of course, LeBron, uh, he missed 18 games with injury, it all ruined the season. Collectively, it all ruined the season. And it also did nothing for Luke Walton, whose future is, in, uh, is uncertain and in limbo. And now that Magic's gone, he'll probably be gone too. And now the Lakers look like a dead-end destination. So what now? Who's going to step in and try to fix this mess? L.A. is not – it's a dead-end destination. Who wants to just come there – for the sake of coming to Los Angeles. I heard Shaq say that last night. Oh, it's still Los Angeles vacation. Ah, da, 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 da. Look, just like UCLA trying to persuade John Calipari to leave Kentucky to come to UCLA for less money. Nobody's got time to come to this broken organization right now. They probably need to go back and get one of their own because I don't see a lot of the top guys Want to come in and fix Los Angeles. It's just not worth it. It's just that's, nobody cares just because you're in L.A. Man, the world has shrunk. Okay, so nobody's just going to L.A. for the sake of L.A., aside from LeBron, because you look at that organization, you have an aging superstar and an expert blame shifter. So if you want to catch some hell, if you want to catch some of that smoke that Magic Johnson was catching, go right ahead and you'll see what it's like. Because at the end, I kind of feel a little bit bad for Magic Johnson because he's like the old man who went into the club and realized, hey, man, the game has changed. The rabbit got the gun. And we all know that hunting ain't no fun when LeBron got the gun. But you know what you get L.A. instead? This is your legacy and all of this. LeBron played, y'all. He really did. He played L.A. like a fiddle. He he, he picked it up and played a tune and played, y'all, because LeBron is over basketball, it seems like. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm premature. But he's a mogul now. So, look. L.A., enjoy Space Jam, too, because this is the legacy of LeBron coming to your team. A $200 million budget for that movie. Yeah, well, you guys in L.A. better enjoy it because that's uh, that's the last showtime you're going to have in Los Angeles for a while. We'll have to see what happens. Not a good look for L.A. Not a look, good look for Magic Johnson. I, again, Magic... Magic has a mistake about him that hard work, it doesn't look good for him to have to work hard and make tough decisions. They say ESPN has an article coming out, ESPN Magazine has an article coming out about him, and they're going to rip him to shreds as a, uh, as a boss. So I guess he's a taskmaster, and you have some disgruntled ex-employees of the Lakers, and even he's talking about backstabbing and talking behind your back. So I don't know what any of that is about, but... Good luck to Magic. He's still a billionaire. He's winning. With that, it's time for the Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks. With no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big dummy. The Lamont Award is usually given to somebody who is a it's a team entity situation player, whatever, who's done something that I deem very, very stupid. And they, they get the Lamont Award because Lamont, as Fred Sanford's only son, was a big dummy. So our big dummy of uh, this episode is one Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown, leave Juju Smith-Schuster alone. Will you please leave the Pittsburgh Steelers alone? So he comes out unprompted, and, and, and at least to our knowledge. 
Inga starts to go in on Juju Smith-Schuster for dropping a pass that cost the Steelers a game. He fumbled the ball, cost the Steelers a game, and they missed the playoffs. And so he wanted to make sure, he wanted the world to know that this happened. Now keep in mind, he's with the Oakland Raiders. He has a new contract. He has a new quarterback. He has a new uniform. He has a new address. Why are you coming for Juju Smith-Schuster, who has been nothing but a fan of yours and propped you up and, and showed you love? And so I guess his big reveal, I guess Juju Smith sort of responded like, hey, man, I ain't did nothing but show this guy love, and this is, this is, this is the kind of hate I get from you for nothing. I talked to an NFL guy. He says, former NFL player, he says, hey, this has to be personal. But it doesn't seem so personal. It seems very professional. It seems like some, he didn't like what he did on the field. He didn't like him getting what team MVP award was what they said. But he responds by showing a DM that Juju Smith-Schuster sent him in college where he said, hey, I, I respect your game. Man, you're the best on and off the field. Do you have any pointers to help me be a better player? So you basically revealed Juju Smith-Schuster to be a polite, ambitious young man who wants to seek to get better at his craft so he can make it to the NFL. This, this, is, this is your game? This is your end game? This is what you are, are aiming to do to one Juju Smith-Schuster? This, this is what you're doing? <laughs> you want to – what? You're going to tweet next, hey, you're a hell of a guy. <laughs> like, what is your, I don't know how you're trying to destroy somebody or put somebody down or throw shade at somebody who's been really, really nice to you publicly. Whatever y'all have going on behind the scenes, if there's anything, it, I mean, you're not getting it from Smith-Schuster. It's just not coming out from him. So I don't know what the issue is. Antonio Brown in this situation reminds me of a bad boyfriend or bad ex-boyfriend. He's a dude who came in, you know what, I think we need to just end things. And the lady's like, okay, cool. I moved on. You can move out. Go to Oakland. Do your thing. I'm going to stay right here in Pittsburgh and do mine. And now you mad because she moving on with her life. Man, Pittsburgh has moved on with their life. They're, they're gone. It's over. Go enjoy your life. I just want you to be happy, Antonio Brown. That's what everybody in Pittsburgh, look, just go do you. Antonio Brown, we happy here, okay? We have good self-esteem here in Pittsburgh. We love ourselves. We know that there is a new receiver out there somewhere that is going to make us very happy because we deserve that. So Antonio Brown, for going in on Juju Smith-Schuster, who is a really, really nice kid by all appearances, and one heck of a receiver. He may not be a number one guy. We'll find that out this year. Uh, but he's a good receiver. And for you going in on that young man, being a bitter old 30-year-old that you are, you are a big dummy. You big dummy. <laughs> That'll just about wrap things up. But before I let go, before I let go, before I let go, hey, want to remind you guys, please hit me up on social media, on Twitter at Wade's Word, W-A-D-E-S-W-O-R-D. And, of course, you can find me on Facebook, Sports Talk with Devin Wade page. And group, please hit me up there. I'll post some poll questions. And again, I read your articles, your comments. I'm more interactive on Twitter. So that's the, the best way to reach out to me, but also on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group. And again, please comment, subscribe, like. 
I want to hear from you guys. Make comments. I want to read what you guys have to say. And where in the world are you listening? Where I, mean, I get to see some of the analytics. And we have folks from all over, from Virginia, North Carolina. Well, we may lose some Virginia listeners after this episode. But, you know, hey, from Virginia, Kansas, Missouri, California. Man, really, we do well all over. And I want to thank you guys for the growth, of course. Love my city, so have to take care of H-Town. Want to thank Q-Boy and Southside Titan. So check the rest of this out at the end of the show. And as always, have a great day. On the South Side, we missing our jeans. On the South Side. Pop trunk with them toys on the south side Making that noise on the south side South side On the south side We missing our boys on the south side Pop trunk with them toys on the south side We making that noise on the south side The south side From the south side to Galveston Bay Scott and Belford and MLK 11-9-11, King of State, Hillwood, Cloverland, Sugar Valley, and Blue Ridge. Give me a three for the war, relative of the yard. Thank you, Yahweh, for bringing us up to bar. This track right here is F3s and F4s. Well, with no emotion and feeling that's cold. My shoulders were built for your tears, filled with no fear. Back mind, sell, word, player, scrub, and player. Probably son, return, home, player. All play, catch us on satellite, all way, round the world, rotate, collect in this case, shout out, shout out, Bob, I'm home now, and ain't no need to wait, 20 years just making this day, on the south side, south side, on the south side, we missing our jeans, on the south side, pop truck with them toys, on the south side, we making that noise, on the south side. South side, on the south side, we missing our boys. On the south side, pop trunk with them toys. On the south side, we making that noise. On the south side, south side. Like you did to under the whole group. Thanks to chill and SBC for the action. I'm blessed to see the grace. Walk the halls of rose and what's for the little two. Came across the 